to change your mind about you, where we are on a journey together to awaken to our true identity. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, and today we're going to be talking about finding peace in a troubled world. Peace. It's that elusive yearning that all of us in the world seek. A carefree state of complete contentment. Merriam-Webster's defines peace as, quote, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions, harmony in personal relations. That's a big one, isn't it? Peace. The world has had trouble maintaining, seeking, and finding peace throughout all its history. A lasting peace has always seemed to escape us. Why is that? Well, peace is a spiritual matter. It's an internal matter, a matter of the heart, soul, and mind, but manifests externally. The prophet Jeremiah talked about this back in ancient Israel. Like I said, the maintenance of peace and the seeking of peace is not a new problem. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 10 through 11, to see what the prophet had written there about those of his time. He writes there in verse 10 of chapter 8 of the book of Jeremiah, From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain, prophets and priests alike. All practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Now he's speaking here primarily about the leaders of Israel, the prophets and the priests. And at that time, as, as it is today, our leaders say the same thing. We always hear our politicians talking about peace. We hear it from rabbis and preachers at churches and in temples, always talking of peace. But nothing changes. Why doesn't the world change? Why don't we have more peace? It's because we don't take the issue of peace seriously. Other issues seem to be more important. And this, was, and this is the issue that Jeremiah is trying to address here. He says, the wound of my, They addressed the wound of my people as though it were not serious. It is very serious. For us to be not at peace because we were created to be at peace is a problem. So how can we find peace? Well, there are four things, four issues or four principles that we need to come to understand. These, these four principles aren't limiting, so to speak, as, as to say that these are the only four principles, but they're four important principles to follow in being able to seek peace in the world. It's not impossible to have. We have the knowledge. It's just been hidden from us. So what are these four principles? The first one is understanding the power of perception. The second 
is living in the present moment. The third is practicing real forgiveness. And finally, the last one is perceiving your neighbor as yourself. Let's take these each individually now, look at them in greater detail. First of all, the power of perception. Typically, we utilize our five senses to formulate our perceptions. It tells us about the world around us. But is that what it really does? Do we really understand what our eyes in our ears are telling us? Let's see what A Course in Miracles has to say about this. So let's turn to the course now. We're going to turn to the section on psychotherapy, chapter 2, section 6. In paragraph 3, we're going to read the first four verses. It starts out by saying, quote, The ear translates. It does not hear. The eye reproduces. It, it does not see. So, the ear does not hear truth. It translates what the mind tells it. Their task is to make agreeable whatever is called on, however disagreeable it may be. They answer to the decisions of the mind, reproducing its desires and translating them into acceptable in pleasant forms. End quote. So the eyes and the ears, they aren't objective senses. They don't see and hear what's actually there. What they do is they go out and verify, find proof, if you will, of what the mind is telling them to find. And this is a problem because different minds are going to come to different conclusions about different matters based upon what the different minds want. So the result is inevitable. Conflict. Let's look at some examples. The Russia-Ukraine war. Do you think the Ukrainians see differently about the war than the Russians do? What about the U.S. government? Let's bring things closer to home here. What about the ways govern, uh, the country is governed domestically? What about the ideas of the Republicans and the Democrats? Do they have differing perceptions on how the country should be run? Even here in my local community, there's conflicts. Right behind our development here, there's a proposal out to have the residential zoning changed to commercial and to build a mixed-use facility. This has really got the neighbors up in arms. So what the developers and the city officials are planning here are in conflict with what the local residents want. Then perhaps the greatest stresses of all is our personal relationships. 
with partners, family members, work associates, neighbors, and so forth. These are the causes that immediately stress us, that, that are closest to us, and provide us with that much more difficulty. So what are we to do? How do we walk the path to peace? So let's, there are going to be three steps here in walking the path to peace. Now that we understand the power of perception and the power it has for each of us to see things differently and create conflict. So the first thing about finding peace in this troubled world of ours, the first step is to accept the present moment. Accept the present moment. It could be happy. It could be difficult. It could be downright discouraging. But what we must do is accept it. Why? Well, let me explain it this way. I Imagine you're looking at an X and Y axis, a coordinate system. And along that horizontal line is a timeline. There's a timeline, and if you go and if you go to the right of the vertical axis, that points to the future. And if you go to the left from the intersection of the vertical axis with the horizontal axis, that points to the past. Now the vertical axis that crosses through at the center symbolizes eternity. And where they intersect, that point at which they intersect is the present moment. So what that means is time and eternity meet in the present moment. At that point, there is no past and there is no future. There is only the present, the eternal present. And this is why we need to function or accept, rather, the present moment. The present moment needs to be accepted because that's where life is lived. You don't live in the past. You don't live in the future. You live right now. Eckhart Tolle, in his book, The Power of Now, on page 62, wrote, quote, There is no salvation in time. Time being defined here by the past and the future. You cannot be free in the future. Now, many in the Christian world look forward to the return of Jesus Christ at some time in the future. But you cannot be free in the future. Tolly continues. He says, Presence is the key to freedom. So you can only be free now. End quote. Now is when we seek our freedom, is in the present moment. Because the things that tend to concern us, the things that tend to cause conflict among us, 
either stem from the past or their projections out into the future. They have nothing to do with the present. Now, you might say, well, I'm sick right now and uh, I'm not feeling well. I have to go in for chemotherapy treatments or I'm on dialysis or, or some other thing. Or I'm having, I have to have a major surgery and a, a major organ transplant and so forth. Yes, you must accept that present moment because that's the way things are now. That doesn't mean you cannot work to change them, but it must mean you accept things as they are. Because part of that acceptance is the way we transcend the deception that comes through perception. Jesus said, in this regard, Enter through the narrow gate. He's teaching here on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. What he's talking about here, and this is Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. What he's talking about here is he's talking about time. As Eckhart Tolle had said, there's no salvation in time. It leads to destruction. It leads to death. And wide is that gate? Because we all, we would not be here if we were not living in time. But what he's saying is, In verse 14 now, is but small as the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. What he's talking about here is the present moment. That dot, that point of intersection on that coordinate axis where time and eternity intersect. That is the narrow gate. That is the road that leads to life. So we must, we must, if we are to have peace of mind, live and accept the present moment. Live in the present moment. The second step is to practice forgiveness. Practice real forgiveness. Real forgiveness breaks the chains of time. Now, what do I mean by real forgiveness? Again, I want to turn to A Course in Miracles. Uh, This time we're going to be in the workbook part two and section 1.1 and the first six verses where forgiveness is defined. It says there, quote, Forgiveness recognizes what you thought your brother did to you has not occurred. It does not pardon sins and make them real. It sees there was no sin. And in that view are all your sins forgiven. What is sin? Except a false idea about God's Son. Forgiveness merely sees its falsity and therefore lets it go. End quote. 
So let's take this a piece at a time. Forgiveness recognizes what you thought your brother did to you has not occurred. Now, most of us look at this statement and say, that just sounds insane. But I saw it with my own eyes. I heard it with my own ears. That's what really happened. So-and-so did this, or so-and-so said this. But I want us to remember here our very first point about perception. The ears interpret. In the eyes, reproduce what the mind wants. So we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. In other words, what our minds do is they make a substitute for reality. They create an illusion. How can that be? Well... There are a few assumptions here that the Course is making when it makes this statement. And, and I want to go through those assumptions with you. The first one is, God originally created human beings perfect. We see that story in Genesis chapter 1, when God made human beings, male and female, in his image and likeness. And at the end of all things that he created, he found everything that he created very good. Secondly, God is almighty, always present, does not change, is loving and good all the time. Now, if human beings are the image and likeness of God. That is, if we are to be a reflection of God. In other words, God looks in the mirror and he sees us. If human beings are the image and likeness of God, then the same has to be true of us. We are always present. We do not change. We are loving and good all the time. But we don't see that. So if we don't experience that, what are we experiencing? If we don't see things the way God created them, and the way God created them cannot change, what we have done is we have made a substitute. We have conjured up an illusion in our own minds. So that's where the Course is coming from here when it makes that statement. We forgive then because we recognize what our eyes see and what our ears hear is contrary to God's will and therefore has to be false. We, it's as if we look in the mirror and say, Is this really me? So that's the second step. That's forgiveness, is accepting that what others do or what we see outside of ourselves is a false perception. So we must let it go, recognize it as false, 
and let it go. We don't pardon a sin and make it real, because that makes it real. So there are no accusations in forgiveness. There is no judgment. Everything is just let go and seen as false. So if we see troubling things in the world and recognize that they're an illusion and that they're false, we can just simply let them go. And if we let them go, a troubling, what was once troubling, is not going to trouble us any longer. Okay, now we get to the third step in walking the path to peace. The third step is perceiving our neighbor as ourself. To look so that when we look upon another, we are, it's as if we are looking in a mirror in seeing ourself. So what happens here? We recognize, uh, let's kind of sum up a little bit to see where we've traveled along this path to peace. We have come to recognize that our perceptions have the capacity to deceive us, that it's our mind telling our eyes and our ears what to see and what to hear. And we recognize that what we see and hear is false because we recognize what God created is very good and cannot change. So when we let that those things go and we let go of all the things that bother us, we have been freed up to, as Jesus said, keep a new command. And he told us what that new command is in John chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35. He said, there a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. We cannot love one another then unless we first forgive and see them and see others as ourselves. And we forgive because we recognize that we, what we see outside of us is not the true reality. The true reality is very good and can never be changed because it's contrary to God's will. So how do we find peace in a troubled world? Number one, we recognize the power of perception to deceive. Number two, we live in the present to get a taste of eternity without any past or future worries. And because we've blotted out the past and the future, we're able to look at things as they are right now without any prejudices, and see that God's creation is, is very good. So anything that we do see that bothers us, that appears to bother us in the present moment, we know that it's a false perception. So we are able to forgive, then, all false perceptions. And having done this, having let go all of that baggage that robs us of our peace, 
we can then love our neighbor as ourselves, and have the two of us join together as one so that when we see our neighbor, it's as if we look in the mirror and see ourself. I hope today's episode was of benefit to you. Your comments and questions, of course, are always welcome. So if you have any comments or questions, please email them to kevinmack at changeyourmindaboutyou.com. That's kevinmack at changeyourmindaboutyou.com. Thank you once again very much for listening today. And until next time, this is Kevin Mack, your host, saying, take good care and be well, my friends.